listening to the quarter transmissions or leave episode 20. Just what the doctor ordered. Right, doctor? I couldn't have prescribed better. Thanks for tuning in once again to Shore Leave, your Star Trek convention community podcast. I am Jeff Hewlett, and here with me is the best co-host this side of the Alpha Quadrant, the one and only Heather Barker's here. I agree with that sentiment. Ha ha ha! <laughs> you you may be the best co-host on this side of any quadrant. Ah, uh, yada yada yada. So, <laughs> so guys, uh, we're back again uh, with another Shore Leave, and and a couple things to to talk about before we jump into. The show, uh, reminding everybody out there, our iTunes review contest is still running, running through the 23rd of April, 2017. Please jump over to iTunes and leave our show a written review and let us know who you are so that we can enter you into our contest for the $20 Shop LLAP gift card. And you can find the direct link to our iTunes feed on our website, thetricordertransmissions.com. So please... Leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. So coming up later in the show, we have a brand new segment we're going to be introducing, as well as some recent STLV news. But before we get into all of that stuff, we have two really special numbers that we want to talk about. The first number is, in fact, this is the 20th episode of Shore Leave. 20! Yeah, amazing <laughs> how far we've come in, in just over you know, a year's time. It's, it's, it's incredible that we're here. Uh, it doesn't feel like a year to me. Uh, it feels like three years to me. <laughs> Heather. <laughs> no, you know, I, I remembered sitting, I think it was like Christmas time. I was talking to you, um, doing that little, it was like a guest appearance. Yeah. We did the Christmas extravaganza. Yeah. 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 And, uh, we did that. And then I was just like, let me talk to you about this idea I have. <laughs> and I never, never expected a year later to to be where we are. It's been really great, really great for me. And I think it's I, I mean, the feedback that we get from the community and our friends has been good. So I think it's we're, you know helpful for the community. Oh, for sure. So it's just so much, so much good. Yeah, it's and it's been so much fun, and we've met so many incredible people through yes. the show, and one of whom is coming up at the end of this episode. But you know, we started our first episode. You know, Heather just said that we were we were on a, a Christmas episode, so that was uh, December of 2015, and the first episode of Shore Leave uh, hit the airwaves on January 24th of 2016. We got we got right on top of that. Got that in in action there. Yeah, we did, and we did. That was our first episode that featured our first segment of what we call our first cons, which was yes. a, a very common segment through the first five or six episodes of the show. We had a lot of great people come on and talk about their first convention experiences, and Bill and Dan from the uh, Trek Geeks podcast have been on to talk about first cons. We've had Claire. Uh, Little, who is our Tavacron co-host and uh, frequent contributor to Shore Leave. She was on talking about Jim Morehouse. My goodness, so many Adam Drosen, people who've come back time and time again on some of our other series, too. So we've brought so many more people into the tricorder fold through Shore Leave. Including Ian. You cannot leave out Ian. Of course. <laughs> Ian, our, our Gold Key Comics co-host, uh, part of our original mission series here on the tricorder Transmissions. And, you know, this is pretty cool because this is the second 
time on shore leave, we're leading up to the Vegas convention. So this will be our second year of shore leave, uh, ramping up to go to Vegas. So pretty cool. I'm, I'm really getting excited because we've got so much great stuff on our roadmap, you know, for episodes 21 and beyond. Like, I can't believe how much stuff we have to do, how much work there is between now and the convention. <laughs> yeah. And, and just not to mention like the ideas that we have for the future that oh. we're just going to tease you about listeners and not actually tell you about. Ha ha. <laughs> Heather, you're getting as good at this as I am. <laughs> I promise that we will, but it's I, I we want to announce those things closer to when they're actually going to uh, be available for listeners. So um, keep your ears open, everyone. Yes. So uh, that's that's a good point because, like I just said, we have a, a lot of content lined up between now and the convention. So it's going to be sure leave extravaganza between now. <laughs> And then so many things. Our vendor episodes are coming up. We've got a uh, big surprise. Larry Nemechek is going to be here next week to talk about some of the things that's going to be going on for him at the convention. And we've got um, some more folks lined up, con advice episodes and uh, revisiting some of the topics that we talked about in depth with some more of our, our wonderful contributors coming on to, to go more in depth on some of those topics. So lots and lots and lots and lots of great stuff Yes, coming up. Um, yes. So, you know, Another great number. I said there were two numbers. Oh, and, boy. Um, yeah, this is another great number. And <laughs> I'm really, really, uh, God, I'm beside myself even saying this. Uh, not only is it the 20th episode of Shore Leave, it's actually also the 200th overall episode of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network. So double milestone episode here. I get to be on them both. You get to be on them both. You have earned a spot on both. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my God, um, I, I was talking to uh, a friend of mine about the fact that we're releasing a t our 200th episode this week. Uh, the other day at work, one of the, the great friends of mine who's been a listener has listened to every single episode of this show. Uh, so he's listened to all 199 of them. Uh, Steve Sikoriak, great guy, great friend. Big inspiration to me over the time. So thank thank you for always asking me about the show, Steve, and, and being with us on this journey this whole time. No matter what we were doing, no matter what series we were putting out, whatever topic it was, he, he's always been there to listen to us. So uh, really appreciate that, Steve. But I was talking to him about this and you know, realizing the fact that the first episode of this show was August 4th, 2013. <laughs> it's amazing to me. And our fourth anniversary is coming up, you know, only in, in a few short months at the convention. Um, you know, that was when our original mission, you know, started and that was, it was a couple of years before we became an actual podcast network. It was just that one long running show, uh, with a couple of sidebar, uh, couple supplemental log episodes to talk about other, uh, Trek topics and have people on, you know, back in the day we had the April A. Baron, Vernon Wilmer from the Star Trek experience out in Vegas. Yep. Um, you know, that was one of our earliest interviews. We became friendly with them and, you know, it, it's it's amazing to me how much the show has grown and how many great, great people we've had get involved. You know, you, Heather, uh, it, it's been amazing what we've done together. And, and, and you're not only part of Shore Leave, you know, you're part of all of our other series now as well. And uh, Ian, who you mentioned earlier, who who stepped up and, and became my Gold Key Comics co-host as part of the original Mission series. And so much great stuff has happened uh, in these 200 episodes and it's it's actually really uh, an honor for me to be sitting here on a on a shore leave episode, <laughs> talking about 
the 200th episode. So um, this is this is really great. I'm I'm really kind of getting choked up thinking of. Oh, don't cry. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, it's very special to me. I don't want to like bore our listeners with our mutual friend love here, but mm-hmm. uh, I think that you know we get along so well together, and and shore leave is fun because we have fun together. Um, and I try to tell everybody, I definitely tell Twitter how much I appreciate all the hard work that you do because oh. you are the machine behind Tricorder Transmissions and you keep it all working. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. That's very sweet of you to say. I've, one of the running jokes about that, and I'm not going to go too far into it because I don't want to bore everybody, but one of the, the long running jokes is that um, I've edited so much of this audio from this show, I can visually identify words spoken by people like you and Craig and Ian, I can look at a screen at the screen. I can just look at the waveform and tell what word you said by looking at it. It's so strange, but I've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of all of you guys talking. I'm um, so glad to hear that in a non-creeper way. No, it's great. It's, it's wonderful. It's just, it just goes to show you how much content we've all put together and how much work all of us have put in. Uh, yes. Every single one of us, you know, you, you've, yes. you've been a big help with the planning and the scheduling and, and the bringing in of new guests and developing content and, you know, Ian putting together all that work with the, the comic book episodes. We've got some more new stuff coming in the near future. We do. We do. And, you know, can't, can't, can't divulge it yet, but, you know, some, some great stuff coming in the next few weeks uh, to commemorate the, you know, 200 plus episodes and our fourth anniversary. So more great stuff coming down the road. So uh, enough of that. I don't want to bore anybody. Oh, wait. Oh, one what, more thing. Oh, oh, oh. I mean, shouldn't we have a party? Oh, yes, we should. So yeah, 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 yeah. And we got one plan, don't we? So yeah, we do have one plan that I actually have to go look up the event. <laughs> yeah, there's an event on our Facebook page. Yes, um, it is on the Tricorder Transmissions page for everyone who is listening. So it's not tied to the unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas convention page. We will share it there in our events section, but the actual party event is on the Tricorder page and it's right, like right on top. And it will be Friday, um, Friday the 8th or oh, Friday the 4th at 8 p.m. There we go. Numbers. I can do it. <laughs> and we will update the location, um, probably something like Masquerade or Ibar, but we're not 100% certain. But we'll f- we're going to find a place. For this and we are going to have a cake and we're going to have some giveaways for all you guys we're going to have some some raffles so you come in you'll grab your ticket as on your way in and we'll be raffling off some really cool new tricorder and shore leave merchandise that we're going to be putting together and bringing with us to the convention out in las vegas so if you're going to be in las vegas shore leave listeners i know a lot of you are most of you are Stop by the tricorder party. You know, let us know you're coming. Come to our, our Facebook page. Check off that you're going. You could win some cool prizes, and we would love to meet you. So. Yes, please come. Yes, thank you for mentioning that, Heather. I, I completely welcome. blanked on that. That's why I'm here, Jeff. That's ah, why we do the podcast. See, that's the that's that's what Heather <laughs> brings to the show. Everybody, she keeps me on track. <laughs> thank you so much for that. So, so what else is up? Well, I'll tell you what else is up, and this is something that we always do here on Shore Leave. Uh, We are getting closer to the convention, and this time we actually do have some new STLV news that has come out. And the first thing, yeah, gasp. Uh, The first thing that we're going to go through is some of the new guest additions 
that have come out over the last week or so. And and thank you to all of our friends in the unofficial Facebook group for keeping us informed when yes. creation updates their website. Cause I know I, I don't always remember to check it every day no. or every couple days. And so it's always great guys like Ron Snowden. Thanks so much uh, for being so diligent and letting us know when these things happen. So let's see here. We've got quite a few, uh, the famous Robert Beltran, uh, Chicote is now signed on. Uh, next up, we got uh, Samantha Egger, who played Marie Picard in the fourth season TNG episode Family. Mm-hmm. So pretty cool. Let's see who else. Oh, Ron Jones, a uh, composer for a lot of the scores for many of the early season TNG episodes. So uh, music lovers out there. And by the way, that La La Land collection of the uh, TNG show music has some of that Ron Jones stuff on it. So if you want to Go. I'm sure he'll sell them there in the in the vendor room, but that's also available out there. So if you want to pick that up and bring it with you, that's a really good idea too. It's a really fantastic set if you're into Trek music. Uh, let's see who else. Who else? Oh, uh, Camille Saviola from DS9 is going to be there. Oh, Daniel Stewart. Yes, that's who I'm pretty excited about because I don't know that he's been to an STLV ever before. I don't recall ever seeing him on the list. So that's pretty cool. Patrick Stewart's son, of course, if you didn't yeah. know who he was. And he actually was in a TNG episode as well. So you can uh, work to complete your TNG autograph and photo op collection by getting Daniel Stewart. Let's see, who else? Greg Grunberg, who was in Heroes, and he was just in, um, did his little cameo in Beyond. And he did some voices, I think, in the 2009 Star Trek or Star Trek Into Darkness. Anyway, he's from Heroes. Last year, he was over at the, it was like the Las Vegas Toy Convention or something that was going on. Oh, right, 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 yeah. At the, the same, same time. time. Yeah. He was over there, and now he's actually going to be at STLV, which I think is fun because he's kind of a crossover actor. Um, lots of Heroes fans out there. So I feel bad because I don't know what else he's doing right now mm-hmm. in television. But I think that's a fun one that a lot of people will be excited about. Yes, absolutely. Um, let's see. Who else? Oh, Santa Gorn was very happy to learn that Bobby <laughs> Clark, the original Gorn, will be returning once again. I wondered if Santa Gorn was going to have his photo taken with Bobby Clark this year. So now this this is something that Santa Gorn was very upset about. It's weird to talk about myself in the third person, but <laughs> Santa Gorn was very upset because there was a picture taken last year, but it wasn't with Santa Gorn's iPhone because it was inside his uh, inner pants and I couldn't get it out. So somebody else took the photo and I was hoping that it would get posted somewhere and mm-hmm. it, it never did. So the picture of Santa Gorn and the real Gorn didn't happen, but... Rumor has it that this year, Santa Gorn may have an intrepid assistant with him who may be willing to take that picture. Yes, we'll have a very enterprising elf. And that elf, don't know who she is, but I'm sure she'd be nice enough to take a picture. (laughs) That would be wonderful. I'm sure Santa Gorn would very much appreciate that. Okay, this is getting creepy. I'm kind of like talking about ourselves in the third person. It is kind of weird, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, speaking of Santa Gorn, a quick aside, you can now follow him on Twitter at the Santa Gorn, uh, (laughs) at the Santa Gorn. He's he's on Twitter. So feel free to. And as you get closer to the convention, uh, he'll be tweeting out uh, a few tidbits and things, especially at the con. I'll be letting he'll be letting you know when he's coming down so that you can look for him. Uh, Yeah. yeah, Last year, we had some people who uh, 
made some remarks that they had no idea when he was going to be around and they were looking for him and they missed him. So uh, this year we don't want that to happen. So right. Keep but it will be limited appearances. Just oh yes, beware, everyone. Yes, it probably will not be every day uh, this year. So it, last year it was every day for five days, and uh, I think this year we're going to cut it back. But anyway, back to the, yeah. the guest list. We have a couple more. Uh, Richard Hurd, of course, Admiral Owen Paris uh, from Voyager, and I'll see. Oh, Rosalind Allen, who played Yanar on the TNG episode "The Outrageous Okona," and finally. The man himself, Mr. Adam Nimoy. Woohoo! Back. So that'll be really Got cool. The whole Nimoy family there. Yeah, I know they said, um, Danny said that uh, Julie was coming as well. So um, we'll have the whole clan there. That'll be really nice. Yeah, I am. I'm really hoping that Patrick Stewart does a photo op by himself. Yes. Um, I, I we don't that. know. We don't have any photo ops announced at this point, nor autograph prices. And the rumors I've heard is that he would just possibly do a group cast photo, which will be far out of my price range. But I really wanted to get a better picture with him. So I will just pray to the Star Trek gods that 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 happens. But yeah, right now, I mean, it's a pretty great list for TNG. Lots of good people, lots of familiar faces. I'm excited to see what will be on the schedule panel wise which we will find out you know like three days before the convention (laughs) (laughs) well i'm gonna say that i I know this isn't gonna happen but i'm still keeping my fingers crossed please 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 we consider will wheaton please i i have never met will wheaton i would love to and uh, i don't i know it's not gonna happen but um yeah, probably not. I yeah. think they would have to do a lot to uh, yeah. change his mind about coming to this a creation. This would be the year to do it, though. The 30th would be the year to do it. It would be. I mean, I think it's just one of those topics of conversation that, eh. I know. Not not good blood there, but we no. hope that maybe this year everyone can overcome their differences and Will Wheaton can attend. We would hope. Next thing on the STLV news list is the ticket package statuses and we do have a couple of sold out packages now gold and captain's chair are completely officially sold out but copper is still available and i think there's some ga package tickets there that are still available but no individual day passes have gone on sale yet and still no thoughts on whether or not we're going to get the groupon no indications rather if we're going to get the Groupon. No indications. Everyone seems pretty convinced that they will have them since the convention likely will not sell out this year. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm still like, take your chances if you want. Basically it's, it's very possible that they will throw some out at the end of the year. And uh, we're going to go into some detail about the the ticket options um, in a future episode for STLV just to have out there. I mean, unfortunately, with the gold and the captain's chair sold out, it's going to be difficult to get those. However, we do have a group on Facebook. It's the STLV 2017 buy sell ticket group. And that is linked to in the unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas convention group as well. And there are people reselling their tickets, some of them at a lesser price than they paid for gold and captains. Well, there you go. There you go. So there is still hope. Yes. And by the way, just a, a quick aside from that, buying a creation convention ticket, and I know we've said this on the shows before, it can be a very dangerous proposition. 
Um, because you know, the, their tickets are nothing more than a PDF that's mailed to you. So, yeah. um, easy for someone to create a dupe and send you a dupe or, or sell copies of that same ticket to multiple people. Yes. And, uh, you know, you could get the first person to get to the con with that ticket gets in the rest of them when they go to scan it, it's already been used. So yeah. Really we do powerful. our best, but I, I do have to emphasize that we are not liable. Should, no, we are not. We are not. Should something happen, um, no, you no. have to use your best judgment. Um, you know, we we approve people the same way that we do in the unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas convention group where we look at their profile. Most of the time, these are people who are already in our group or the official creation group. Yep. But not all the time. But not all the time. It's basically as long as they've got Star Trek in the profile. Um, we, we do our best to keep everyone safe, but... It's not an exact science. Yeah, Yeah. please, you know, uh, use caution and feel free to message us if you need to asking. I've had people ask for advice, so that's totally fine. But we do have some guidelines on there, like with using PayPal and how to be protected with PayPal and everything. Mm-hmm. So just be aware that group is there. Uh, use at your own risk. Uh, we're there to help and good luck. Yes. Good, good luck if you want to buy. And also hotel rooms too, hotel room reservation transfers. But uh, the Rio is still not sold out, by the way. If you guys out there are still looking for a hotel room uh, and you want to spend the extra money to stay directly at the Rio, there are still package deals available there. But uh, the Gold Coast has also released their package prices, which are pretty good, about half, I think, yeah, of what uh, the Rio is. So, um, you know, we talked many times on the past episodes about staying at the Gold Coast versus staying at the Rio. So we're not going to rehash all the pros and cons here. But if you are looking to get into STLV uh, on the cheaper side, you know, staying at the Gold Coast is a really great option. And if you go to our unofficial Facebook group, there's a link there with a code that you can use to call up with or, or you know, buy online that will get you a, a good discounted rate. And let's see, oh, autograph photo op tickets, of course, are not on sale yet either. Yep. So nope. um, no, no need to rush over to the creation site <laughs> yet and try to get your Patrick Stewart photo op. Although I will say, Heather, if they do announce a solo Patrick Stewart photo op, I will have to buy one because I do not have a Patrick Stewart photo. Yeah, I've I've got the one and it's all right, but it's just, you know, it's past life, Heather. And I ah. want I want current present Heather and hopefully a smile from Patrick Stewart. <laughs> so I'm crossing crossing my fingers. Yes. So you know what? Also, we've been talking a lot about the unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas convention group that we both moderate. And I, I wanted to, to really quickly talk about some of the hard work that you've been doing in the group these past couple of weeks. The pin post is nice and, and tidied up and we've got some new rules up and a lot of new really useful documents that you've been putting together. Yay! Well, yeah, um, there are some other groups that I've I've looked at, and I feel that they're super organized, and I've always wanted to do this for hours, and I finally just sat down and made the time to do it. Um, so I did... I did clean up our pinned post that has the the rules, and so uh, you know it's it's pretty standard rules, but we did update them. So if our members are listening, you should go read them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, um, I guess so. Over in the files, there there are still some files that people have added in previous years, like you know other Star Trek groups that are on Facebook. There's one from Michael who 
had done. So last year with the 50th, there were a lot of people that could not get a ticket and who were going to come to the convention regardless. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So he has a file up there that's an STLV no ticket trek experience. It just talks about things that you can do. And I'm leaving those things up because I think that they are still beneficial um, even without a convention sellout. But I did make sure to add some different convention tips. We've got Eric Allen Hall's con tips, um, which he has written and shared several years in a row, and people love those, um, as well as an STLV convention guide by Melissa Whaley, um, which also got a lot of great feedback. It was super helpful, and then people have been adding more comments to those. But the things that I've been working on specifically Mostly, um, I did, there's a file, it's STLV 2017 tickets and perks. And so that kind of goes through, it's it's a chart and it just tells you what you get with each ticket level. But we have so many people that come around and ask, oh, well, what do you know, what does this ticket come with? Can I do this with this ticket? So I just made a very simple graph that will show you the perks that come along with the different tickets. I didn't add prices or anything since those change every year. It's super easy to read, by the way. I, I I really like that chart. Thank you. I wanted to just make it super simple and clear, and people are welcome to share it outside of the group if they want to. So that's fine. And then the biggest one I've been working on is an STLV glossary file. And so that is kind of like the ABCs of STLV. Um, it's, it's basically a compilation of links to threads where we've talked about specific subjects like is there a shuttle to and from the rio how do the rio and gold coast compare different dining options even vegan dining options and then we've got questions about autographs and photo ops cosplay all the different podcasts that cover stlv you know here we are doing a podcast i feel like a lot of people still don't listen to podcasts so they may not hear this but i i hope that they might come across this glossary and say oh i could check out these podcasts and then hear all of these accounts of what it's like so i included a bunch of those there and then we are going to go through with shore leave and and add shore leave where where we talk about these specific subjects we're going to link you to those episodes so that those are easily found as well but I just wanted one place that everyone could go to find all the information they needed. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's, there's so much great information in there. And you know what, guys? It's all free. All you need to do is come to our group and request membership. And the, the link to that group, of course, is on our website here at the tricordertransmissions.com. Click on Shore Leave, and of course, you'll find the link there. So feel free to, to join up and take advantage of some of this great information that Heather has put together and some of the wonderful people in the group have helped us to build uh, over time. So Yes, I do have to add one more thing, sure. um, just because people may not notice, but we also have a couple of events listed. <laughs> We've been having some issues with getting them to show up across different media platforms, and we don't know why that is, but like I, I'm on my, my desktop and I go to the events tab in our group, and so it shows... Not not the main event that we made, which is an STLV um, general meetup, but it does have Jesse's Jesse's event, his newbies and solo travelers, and then the craft swap meet. I made an event for that, which will be to, to be determined um, closer to the convention. I know that if you go, like I have an iPhone, and if I go to our group and go into events that way, then it brings up 
the all of the meetups that are official. It doesn't show Jesse's, but it shows the others. So I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> um, but just be aware that, you know, definitely on iPhone, you can go and it will show unofficial STLV group meetup and then the craft swap meetup and you can join those. And I'll link to those and the STLV glossary stuff too. But um, we're trying to figure that stuff out, but just be aware that more events will probably be posted down the road and we will share those in the group. Yep. A lot of these events will also be listed on the show notes for this episode on our website. So if you're listening to this on our website, the notes should be right above where the player is. So feel free to check that stuff out. So let's see. I think that wraps up our STLV news portion of the show. Heather, anything else you want to add before we move on to our next segment? Nope. I think that's good. Okay. So we mentioned earlier in the show, we want to introduce you to a new thing here on Shore Leave. In a true Star Trek fashion, we're going to be doing a bit of time travel and we're going to be going back into conventions past in a segment that we're calling i think the cons of your yes Heather, i think that's what we're calling yeah so I, I made it up and you seem to like it so <laughs> i like it it sounds cool it's got a nice ring to it so uh you know we we talk a lot about the future conventions on this show uh stlv in particular and we talk about conventions that have just happened with some of our uh, our friends who come on our roving reporter marina who come on to talk about other conventions but we thought it would be kind of cool to go back and look at some of the earliest Star Trek conventions. You know, we've got a few people in our Facebook group that have been to those early conventions, but I think for the most part, a lot of us are really more recent convention attendees within the last, you know, 10, 15 years. So we're talking about going back to like the 1970s to the original first one. So this is going to be really interesting stuff. And here to be our guide on our travels is an early Trek convention attendee. She was present for the infamous Con of Wrath, which I'm sure you've heard about before, and among many other conventions, as well as being a very longtime uh, fan friend of Leonard Nimoy. So please welcome to the show the fabulous Bonnie Moss. Thank you. And thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. I know we've been trying to line this up for a while, and uh, we, we finally got all the stars aligned. Well, it's nice to know that I um, uh, reside in the land of yore. <laughs> well, just some of the stories, not you yourself. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, parts of me are, but um, anyway, it's uh, it's nice to be in the past and the present right now. <laughs> so I wanted to quickly touch on some things about you personally, and uh, something that you've told me in the past, but we haven't had a chance to talk much about, is your longtime fan friendship with Leonard Nimoy and his family. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes, yes. Um, and I'm glad you said fan friendship because I don't want anyone to get the impression that I went over for high tea to the house or vacationed with any of them or anything like that. But um, I first met uh, Leonard back in 1979, and I can go into greater or lesser detail depending on what where the conversation takes us. And we hit it off and saw each other off and on over the years at either some of his um, lecture appearances or his theater appearances or at conventions. And we always found time to talk. Um, ultimately, I ended up sponsoring two of his photography exhibitions. And that's where we kind of got to know each other even better. And um, I was actually at the 
Emmy Awards function in Boston. No, I guess it would be June 2014, just six or seven months before he passed away and got to see him receive his honorary Emmy. And we were able to talk on that occasion as well. And uh, in terms of the family, um, I've, I've known since I was about 12, 14 years old, I started a collection um, on Star Trek, which quickly focused on Spock, which then segued into um, Leonard Nimoy. And over the years, word had kind of gotten out that, you know, Bonnie has a lot of stuff, you know. <laughs> and, and then, as I say, we had some mutual acquaintances, which Michelson, Gary Hass, and some other people that Leonard and I both knew. And one day I was at home and uh, the phone rang and I picked it up and it said, is this Bonnie Moss? And I said, yes, this is Adam Nimoy. Um, Not the call you expect (laughs) to get. Um, I think there had been some communication through an intermediary by email. And there was a they said there was a chance he would call. And he did. Long story short, I ended up contributing some materials to uh, For the Love of Spock. Yay. And we see not only as a contributor, but in the special thanks section, along with 200 other people, I was also acknowledged for um, contributing some of those materials. And I'm an associate producer on Julie's um, upcoming um, documentary, Remembering Leonard. And I know of at least one photo from my collection that they're going to be using in that. So uh, and then met finally met Danny um, initially. You know, you guys can tell me about Danny, so I'm not going <laughs> to um, go that far. But, um, of course, through Shop LLAP, and I got acquainted with that back when it was on Etsy. Right, in the early days. Yes, and ordered several things from there. And then, as I say, emails through that. We finally met at the convention all of us were at this past um you know, August in Vegas and had a, some lovely um, conversations there and have been able to pass on some things to Adam, Julie and Danny from my collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just feel at this point, you know, it's the right thing to do. Um, a lot of these things they had never seen. Wow. They, you know, did not have, you know, you're not thinking about collecting on your dad, you know, or your yeah. puppy, you know. So I have sent them all things and they have been most gracious and so appreciative. I got an email from Julie night before last, I think, and she just said, you're sending us treasures, you know, treasured items. So that means a lot. Uh, what kind of things, may I ask, did you send? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have album after album of movie stills, promotional photos, newspaper clippings, press books, stills from um, both television, movies. I have things from other countries, wow. you know, and other roles other than Spock. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I would send things on Catlow and Baffled and A Woman Called Golda and, you know, um, Never Forget and all of those things and theater programs, you know, that I had mm-hmm. uh, just snapshots that they had, as again, had never had never seen before and yeah. promotional items and movie magazines. I have three boxes of magazines featuring Leonard Nimoy from 1966 you know, through his Mission Impossible years. And they're like 
we have not seen this stuff. We were kids, you know. <laughs> we were yeah. to be in these magazines, you know. So a lot of them have family photos, photos of the of you know Julian Adam, photos of their grandparents, photo, you know. And so I've been sending them some of these magazines as well. And they're and Adam said in the conversation with me on the phone, he goes, "Where did you get all of this?" <laughs> and I said, "I was a teenage girl, and we teenage." <laughs> are very precocious and obsessed and you know and right. and do this and so I started very young I said you know and I said Adam if you're a coin collector you expect someone to have a lot of coins you know if mm-hmm. they call themselves a stamp collector you don't want to see three stamps you know <laughs> <laughs> you know so it's it's you know what I did from, and, and I guess it's rare that interest in, um, would continue low these many years later, but it's it's been a wonderful ride. And I, as I say, I'm so gratified that I can now pass some of these things on. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful. Can I ask you really quickly, I, you told me you listened to the, the recent episode we did with Danny and uh, you know how, what a connection we had with her, but Heather and I are very, very um, attached to the Spock character and Leonard Nimoy as well. I just was wondering... What was it about the Spock character that that made you into this collector and this this lover of the character and and the man? That's a good question that has um, so many answers, and I think it's changed over the years. You know, as you grow, you, you find different facets. You know, when Star Trek premiered, and I was watching it the night that it premiered, my first response was basically, "This is better than Lost in Space." You know, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> all we had before then you know with the exception of twilight zone which scared me as much as it fascinated me below my child self because some of those episodes were intense for a young child so i was i was attracted to the show because it even at that age i could tell it was on a higher level of communication in terms of what they were trying to tell you in terms of there was a message not just you know monsters and bombs going off and everything very quickly it turned to as it did for many people, the Spock character. You know, this is different. This is someone whom I would like on a personal basis. This is someone who's smart, who's loyal, who would do anything for his friends, who saves the day. Occasionally we let Kirk save the day, but Spock saved the day. (laughs) We know this. And, you know, again, segueing into going into my teenage years, you know, during the latter part of the show and the early syndication, he's a good-looking guy, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Let's kick in then at that point, you know, and and so you get it on that level. And then I I thought he was an excellent actor. You know, people forget he was the one nominated for an Emmy all three years during the show. And I have one of those Emmy programs, original Emmy programs from those um, award shows. And so I was like, he's really good. Well, let me watch him in something else. So I would see him in other things. My, then my respect for his talent grew and I enjoyed watching his work. And then when I, when I met him in 1979 and, you know, that's been, what, 35 years ago? If he, you know, you, you sometimes don't want to meet people you really admire because then they turn out, you know, they're sometimes yeah. not what you thought they were. And I know y'all probably had that experience too. Mm-hmm. And, but he was so incredibly gracious and funny and warm and appreciative and humble and still good looking. And, <laughs> um, you know, and, and as I say, we, we, you know, we clicked and I'm not about, you know, I'm not the only fan he clicked, you know, never would I say what my parents, my, what I, my experiences or my observations are singular, but 
they're my experiences, you know, so I'm just relaying that. So once I met them, it was like, okay, that's it. I, I felt validated, of course, you know, of course, I was already 10 years ahead of the game by the time I met them in terms of collecting. And then um, from from then on, it was, um, so it's multi, multi-layered. It was the show, then it was the character, then it was his work, and then it was him. It sounds exactly like our reasoning so i i I, (laughs) is that is that good or is that scary (laughs) no it's great i i think that we have heard the same type of things from other people who were as enamored with the spot character and eventually leonard himself and how special he was i think all of us kind of connect for this from the same reasons in the same places Mm -hmm. so there's you know there's something to that for the for that thread to be somewhat consistent among some people of so many different origins and, yeah. and, and demographics and everything, you know, that that's significant, I think. Yeah, I do too. Just speaks of his very rare, his rareness. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, he was unique. I mean, he really was unique because he had it going on, on every level and, and that's not to deify him or anything. He would freely admit his failings and, and, and has, um, and he learned, but he learned from what mistakes he made in his life, as do we all, yeah, you know. Yeah. He was a very humble person. And I think that that is just a, a very wonderful quality to have, um, especially in Hollywood, because you just don't see it very often. No, and he never took it for granted. He was all, when somebody would say, oh, I came to see you from Iowa. He'd go, really? <laughs> I, you came all the way from Iowa to see me talk. You know, I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't feigned, you know. I mean, it was, I can't believe you got on a plane and came from, I, you know, yeah. um, North Carolina. I mean, I went to see him at a convention in Boston back in 2000, a smaller convention, which was great. Um, it was, you know, not among the chain conventions, I call them. And, you know, and of course, we saw each other and kind of waved. And um, so when, but when they came around to, you know, question time, I was always one of those first out of the seat and get behind the microphone. And I said, I'm I'm back up here from North Carolina. And he was like, you came again from North Carolina, (laughs) you know, and I'm like, you know, it isn't that far from (laughs) North Carolina to Boston, but he, he was sincere in that he could not believe, and he would always just be amazed at the lines of people that wanted this autograph. You know, I mean, he got used to it on some level, mm-hmm. but on another level, it was still kind of surreal to him. One, one of the things that they said near the end of For the Love of Spock that really uh, resonated with me was they were asking, you know, what, I mean, one word to describe Leonard. Or, and one of the things that one of the people said, they called him a Renaissance man. And mm-hmm. that really resonated with me because he he really seemed to embrace a love of art and creativity. He just loved all the mediums. He loved not only acting, but photography and directing. And he just sampled all of it and he excelled at all of it. And, you know, I I think that was a a great way to leave his mark on so many different types of media and so many and reach so many more people's lives. Yeah. And it was a genuine interest and like a passion for many of those things. And like, you know, Oh, let me just write a book, you know, to write a book or, let me let me do some photography just to have it. No, he really delved into it and had a passion for it. Yeah. Absolutely. He, he remained a very curious guy. He remained a very creative person. Goes without saying, he was extremely in, intelligent and intuitive. And that's a lot to bring, 
you know, to any mm-hmm. pursuit that he had. I mean, you know, actor, he was a writer, he was a poet, he was a producer, he was a narrator, he was a, a, a show host, he was a philanthropist, he was a director, photographer, as you mentioned. Yeah. That's rare in, not only rare in the entertainment business, that's rare, period, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I'm rare to do it all so well. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he, and, and as you so aptly said, it was very, it was very natural for him. It wasn't to accomplish something beyond the creative process. Yeah. Indeed. So thank you for sharing that with us. I know you, you've also come here to talk about your convention experiences, but I, I think Heather and I always appreciate a, a side journey into the life of Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. Sure, Leaf. <laughs> yeah. When, when you, if and when you want a longer journey, I have some wonderful stories that I know Leonard would not mind my passing on. We actually had the opportunity in Massachusetts one time for me to bring some of my collection up there, and we spent almost an hour going through his entire career oh, wow. through these um, materials. You learned, I learned something about Leonard over the year, and then the years, and then we'll go to the convention thing. When he would see something, when I'd hand him something to autograph or hand him something, if he held on to it or looked at it for a long time, he wanted it. (laughs) (laughs) And I finally caught on to that, you know. I mean, he wasn't so, you know, gauche as to say, well, will you give me this or can I have it? You know, he'd just go, hmm, hmm, wow, where'd you get this? Wow, hmm, I hadn't seen that. Hmm, would you like it, Mr. Nemo? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and then and then he'd and then he'd autograph whatever I wanted, you know, once he had that, you know. Um, but being able to one on one go over a, a number and during that time when we were going over a number of things when he was kind of doing his uh career review, I said, Mr. Nemo, if there's anything you want in here, you are welcome to have it. Mm-hmm. And he started turning pages and then one thing would start sliding out. <laughs> <laughs> pages and they would be sliding. So anyway, that was, um, you know, I was thrilled that I could communicate with him like that and, and, and share some, some things and some stories, some wonderful stories, um, with, and over the years I've been able to talk to, we just lost Lawrence Montaigne, who was, he told me some wonderful stories. Michael Forrest has told me some wonderful stories. Ed Nelson, who was a friend of Leonard's early on in his career, um, who Google him. He's he's one of those character actors that has been around forever and was the doctor in Peyton Place, if you remember that oh, show. Yeah. Yep. Um, that was Ed Nelson. But they started out both young and broke in Hollywood. And he told me some wonderful stories. So um, so there you go. Let's let's go back to days of war. Well, it sounds to me, Heather, like we may have a return trip for Bonnie in the future to talk about some of these other stories. I certainly agree with that. Awesome. So as we said earlier, we are going into the the conventions past. This is something a little new for us here on Shirley. We usually focus on conventions that are coming up or ones that have just passed um, or in the recent past. So we thought it would be kind of cool to have some stories about what the earliest of Trek conventions were like for our listeners out there, many of whom probably uh, don't know much about these or weren't around to attend them. So Bonnie Moss is here to tell us a lot about her experiences at some of these earliest Trek conventions. Bonnie, when was your first Star Trek convention? I think it was, and I wasn't at the very first in New York, which was what, 73, something like that? 
But I started in 76, so not not too long after that was my first convention. And, uh, of course, you know, I'm 18, 19 years old, so you're not getting on a, a, a plane to go to New York or, you know, Los Angeles for conventions at that age and at that time. You know, you're going to the local conventions um, initially. So a lot of conventions I went to were in North Carolina or Virginia. You know, I'm, I'm in the South, if you haven't been able to tell from the <laughs> accent. People tell me I have one, but and, and I had a joke about that, too. I told them one time that DeForest Kelly was the only person on the show that didn't have an accent. <laughs> he thought that was hilarious. Um, so anyway, um, so I had the accent. So you went regionally, you know, two things. And back then, and I think I, I mentioned this to you, Jeff, earlier, if they could get one actor or one writer, that was huge. You know, it, it was unfathomable that you would get two, three, the entire cast you, you know, that just, it just wasn't the norm. So if you had a convention in Roanoke, Virginia, that had George Decay, massive influx to Roanoke, Virginia, you know, wow. that was a star, you know. And so, you you know, a lot of conventions were like that. But these smaller conventions also brought writers and uh, because there wasn't that huge you know, social media was non-existent. Yeah. You know, if you heard about it, it was word of mouth or somebody had a flyer and would send it in a chain letter kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> it was that type of stuff. So they could get people that probably later on you you couldn't get or were too expensive or, because there wasn't the demand. You, you know, there wasn't the publicity and, and the full Trek resurgence hasn't happened yet. I mean, this is before the first motion picture, you know. Yeah. So um, it was a different time. But those were the small little conventions where I got to talk to Theodore Sturgeon. You know, there I talked to Lee Brackett, um, whose name might really be for me, but she was in Greensboro, North Carolina at a little convention lady with salt and pepper hair and and uh pearls and blah blah blah. and i just talked to her in the hallway didn't even realize she was a guest we had a nice little conversation and she walked off and they said oh you hit it off with lee brackett and i went and and they went well she's a writer and i said well what's she working on oh she's working on something now called the empire strikes back (laughs) (laughs) and she's the one that received the screen credit with Lawrence Kasdan for that. And I'm like, holy crap. I mean, these are the things you would have at the smaller conventions, you know, um, sitting on a sofa eating potato chips and Cokes with David Gerald, just, you know, a very skinny J- David Gerald with a beard. Uh, just, ex- you know, Theodore Sturgeon was a lovely man, very low key, very unassuming. Um, he looked like a professor, <laughs> and he, but yet very relaxed. These are the types of things that the smaller conventions, you know, at that time, you, you didn't know what you didn't know in terms of the future possibilities. You just yeah. didn't, you know, but it was so informal and so relaxed and, and, and I treasure some of those memories. Wow. That's, that's fascinating stuff. And you mentioned earlier that you were in Vegas last year. You know, that's a context I think a lot of our listeners understand that the, the size and scale of conventions today, can you give us a little bit more detail on how much how much different the conventions were back then as far as scale i mean i know vegas is the biggest one we have but yes yes 
it, again, you know, you you had one star and maybe one artist and one writer, you know, <laughs> or or um, so the guest list was not um, expansive. Um, the cost, you know, maybe twenty dollars, and you would go in. That included autographs, photographs, wow. you know, personal one-on-one time with these folks, you know, and as long as you didn't, you know, overstep your boundaries or or be excessive in your demands you know the the sky was the limit in terms of their time and and as so now when i look at you know okay if you want autograph pay this and get in this one yeah. photo pay this and get in that one, that didn't exist you know it was um and the crowds when i say crowds you know a <laughs> hundred uh, 300 um was huge and the stars would frequent frequently you know, you would run into them anywhere. There was no security. They were not, yeah. you know, there was, so the cost, relatively speaking, the accessibility, the low key nature of it all. And sometimes even the local paper, newspaper wouldn't pick up that this convention, you know, was taking place or had just taken place. Now, in terms of the conventions that were a bit larger, as I got a bit older and had some money in my pocketbook and didn't have to ask permission or get a break from school or whatnot to go to these things. Probably the first larger convention I went to was in Atlanta. It was Star Trek Atlanta in 78. And uh, William Shatner and, you know, and again, they had maybe four stars, you know, I think it was Shatner and Jimmy and Walter maybe. But again, you know, the idea of a full cast was just and, you know, you, you just didn't even go there because it took so much to get one, you know. But I do remember Jimmy doing at that convention, went up and down each aisle, you know, would go down each aisle across the aisle to speak to every single person that was in the room. Mm-hmm. When we got there, when he came to my friend Susan and I, I said, well, my mother said I was not going to be able to to talk to you like this. He put his arm around me and said, where's your mother? <laughs> we're going to go talk to your mother right now and prove her wrong because we do want to meet each and every one of you. And I said, my mother didn't come here to the convention with, me. <laughs> you know, she said, you know, and I still have that shot of him with his arm around me and my arm around my friend Susan. And he's looking for my mother. I mean, you can't get more of a personal touch than that. <laughs> well, it sounds like there's an awful lot of things that were different. Nowadays we have lots of different events and panels and things, but were there any kinds of events that happened back in those early conventions that don't necessarily happen anymore? I remember hearing stories of things like talent shows. It was called filk singing because it got printed incorrectly in a program one time instead of folk. It went, it went in as F-I-L-K singing. Yeah. And so the filk singing was very good. That's when people would come with their own songs and a guitar and um, they'd all be related to Star Trek or somehow, you know, science fiction in general. And some of them were absolutely hilarious and some of them were absolutely uh, for the, for an adults only crowd. And um, I do remember some of those. And but this would be very informal again. It wasn't on stage. You pulled a circle of chairs around and filk singed, you know, <laughs> thing. and the costume contest, it was like, and I don't, I mean this disparagingly, I'm only looking compared to today. It was like Halloween. I mean, you, 
there wasn't the electronics and there weren't the movable parts and there wasn't, you know, these uh, appendages and everything. People dressed up with what they had at home. You know, it wasn't cosplay. It was exactly. the yeah, it was a masquerade, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if co- the word cosplay existed no. quite yet. <laughs> and when I first heard it, I was like, what the hell's that? And then I'm like, oh, the masquerade, <laughs> you know, because that's that's what it was called the longest time. So it wasn't, you know, and people would just, you know, the things people would just applaud and go wild over back then is would be a big they wouldn't even make the cut (laughs) you know in the semifinals now because it's just become so crazy you know detailed and professional so you know that type of thing so um but but some things jeff and and heather are, are are similar in terms of the panels and things like that they're just not on the same scale um were the conventions were they usually just one day most many of them were i would say the majority on a saturday um there were a few now again atlanta was a couple of days uh well atlanta was two whole days you know um and i mean this is with shatner and all the you know two days you know yeah. in, out <laughs> boom i would say a weekend yeah but i'd say the majority were probably one day on a saturday a few two day then toward the late 70s you would see the weekend, you know, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I did go to a convention in 79 in New York, where that was the first one I went to. And it was called Star Trek America. Oh. Um, you know, all of this is pre-creation that, you know, hey, yeah. how can you say something, you know, with a name like creation, but there were things before creation, you know, <laughs> literally and figuratively. So um, this was, a, you know, pseudo-independent. And this was... Um, Oh, I guess the mo- the the motion picture came out in '79, Star Trek motion picture. This would have been in September, I think, of that year. So that whole convention was like, "What's this movie going to be like? What's this movie?" And of course, it was a frenzy because there had not been any new Star Trek, you know, for so many years, and so so many. Ho- and they had the promotional materials out, the floor to ceiling standees, and the the posters. And, and I just remember being so excited being there for that. And Isaac Asimov was at that convention and we got to talk and it was just so, so, and I think Nichelle and Walter were there. Again, we hadn't hit the full cast thing. That never was even proposed until 82 with, you know, what became known as the Con of Wrath. So now you were talking about the earliest cons and how much more accessible the, uh, the celebrities were and they were friendly and they talked to a lot of people and, you know, you had pictures with them with their arms around you and all that kind of great stuff. Now, over the years, I mean, things like Shatner and his get a life and all that type of thing. And did, did mm-hmm. you did you notice that over time, the celebrities changing in their demeanors from the earlier cons to the, you know, through the 80s and beyond? Wow, that's a great question. Um, certainly, I don't know how much of it is they changed or the environment changed um, and the demands upon them or the expectations changed. I think certainly what the most obvious change was the amount of time they could talk to you, the accessibility, as I mentioned earlier, the little things. You didn't get an autograph. You got a personalized autograph, you know. You handed them something directly. You didn't go through an intermediary. They looked at it. They commented on it. They said, what's your name? They asked if it was a complicated name, how to spell it, mm-hmm. you know, you know, little things like that. And now at some 
circumstances now, and I won't say it's universal, it's such an assembly line, you know, and sometimes they don't even have the chance to look up. Yeah. And they tech aren't going to ask you your name or comment on what you've handed them unless it's alive or something, you know, <laughs> um, you know, it, that part. Uh, so I don't, I think just the sheer volume of the participation now forces the, the actors or the guests to be more expedient, you know, and, and I get that on one level um, or on several levels. I mean, it's, it's not just a gathering anymore. It's, it's business. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not slamming that. There's a place for what's what's going on now, too. I mean, I'm a big fan. I went to my first Vegas convention in 2011. So there's a place for that, too. But you can't help but be a little nostalgic for the, the what, where, when. So in terms of the stars, I, I, I just think that they've had to change their M.O., you know, given um, the sheer numbers and and um, I can only imagine, though, how some of them, you know, I've been hearing some of those stories since 1979 and I'm thinking, wow, and not, not to say I'm tired of it, but if I've heard that 10 million times, <laughs> like for them, you know, for yeah. 30, 40 years, because you can't. You can't make things up from 40, you know, from the original series, things that happened on the set. They either happen or you can't add to that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the memories, you know. And so, the, you know, they have to kind of a repertoire of stories, um, which are wonderful. And one doesn't get tired of it. But I'm sympathetic with what do they do to pump themselves up to tell yeah. the story again? You yeah. know, five years, 40 years, 50 years later. Yeah, and I, I think now, especially as they get older, I've actually seen criticism about how their stories change, you know, likely just because they're forgetting parts of it. Yes, and get enhanced. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, whatever. It, it makes me a little sad to hear people actually, like, critiquing how how a, an actor's story has changed. It mm -hmm. just seems totally silly, but, um, you know, it's similar to, to doing a concert and, you know, playing the same songs over and over. Like, how do you get pumped, pumped up to tell that same story again? It's it's We need to find someone to ask, I think. I think great question if if you get you know one of those folks for whom this would be relevant you know yeah. to to do that and and in terms of the changing um you know I I have heard and experienced that too Heather you're right on yeah. um and you don't know how much of it is fuzzy memory you don't know how much of it is I'm trying to make this interesting for those yeah. in the audience who may have heard it <laughs> um, a, a number of times I can make it appear as though this is new information when it may or may not be mm -hmm. um, and I don't mean that in, it, with intention to deceive I'm just trying to bring something right. new you know to it so uh, I think that factor definitely uh, again not in a negative way but I think that that factor it you know does exist yeah. Great insights. Thank you for that. I actually never thought about it in that respect that the, uh, you know, the, the growing size of the conventions and the amount of people there would have that sort of an impact. Um, you know, usually mm -hmm. you just thought you'd hear stories about people having experiences with certain celebrities and go, oh, well, they're changing or it's all going to their heads. But maybe that's not really the case in all their cases. So that's that's, you know, wonderful insight. I, I just I will say I know that like some of these smaller conventions um, around here, like we have Starfest in Denver, and though that one 
grows every single year. I think it's still one of the more intimate experiences um, where they have like a Friday night dinner thing. And of course you do have to buy an extra ticket for, for the, the meet and greet, but the, the main headliner guests are all there and they kind of go from table to table and talk to people. Mm-hmm. And then when you, when you go to the actual convention and you go up to get their autograph or whatnot, it's, they still, I haven't been for many years, but like we talked to Marina, probably Marina Sirtis, um, probably for like, like 20 minutes. <laughs> and we tried not to be, you know, not to be rude. Um, people seemed okay. They didn't seem too upset, but she just kept going and going. And it was def- definitely a, a much more relaxed environment than what you would find at STLV where it's, oh, hi, you know, here's, here's the thing for you to sign. Thanks so much and move along. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do think those smaller cons, you're, you're right, they're still out there in pockets, yeah. you know, and Larry probably has them tattooed on the back of his hand and, <laughs> and could tell you these things because he is still a guest at, you know, at at the larger and some of the smaller cons. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and thank goodness for him. You know, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, that what they call the fan run cons as opposed yes. to a more yeah. corporate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Starfest is fan run still, I believe. And I mean, just totally different. We were talking in our um, our Facebook group about um, the differences in conventions and like a, something big like STLV and something smaller. And, you know, I basically said after going to Denver Comic Con, like I've been to one con that is just too big. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I cannot deal um, and it's really difficult to get access to the stars. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a quick autograph, a quick photo, and that's, that's really it. And then Starfest is just a little too small for me. Um, there's just not, not quite enough for me there to, to really fill all three days. And Star Trek Las Vegas is of course like the perfect one for me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's- on steroids i mean it really is bigger better everything you know yeah and 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 the advantage of the more recent cons certainly are the amount of guests they can you know it's a double-edged sword you know i mean you know the the number of guests the people we probably would never have met at a smaller con you know at least you have some exposure to at something like stlv yeah, that's why I say everybody, you know, go once in your life, especially if you're from a small town or somewhere where you don't get a lot of big guests at the conventions or the convention is just too big um, and overwhelming and you can't handle it because it, it is. I, I love that it's Star Trek focused. So we get all of our favorite Star Trek actors there in one spot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that it's for me that that makes it a very valuable experience, but I think it's still great to push these, the smaller fan run conventions because they have an experience that seems to be most similar to what you've spoken about in the early days. Mm-hmm. Is there a convention, you know, y'all talk a lot about conventions, obviously. Um, <laughs> are there certain ones that both of you have, have wanted to go to and have not yet had the opportunity or, you know, of course, as you say, STLV is 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 the ultimate. But are there ones you hear about that you go, "Oh man, I'd like to catch that one day." Um, I would have liked to have gone to Mission New York, which Jeff can tell you about because he got to go to that one. But I think the standouts, like I, I, I San Diego Comic Con, sounds like okay, you can get really cool stuff and see really cool people, but I don't think my anxiety could handle that since I can't even handle Denver Comic-Con. So the next option would be Dragon Con in Atlanta, Mm -hmm. um, 
which is still pretty large. I think it's spaced out over four different hotels. Mm-hmm. But I think that being set up in an area like that where you can move from building to building would be a little easier for me. Um, and they've got such a wide variety of franchises that they cover, people that they invite, including, a, you know, a Star Trek focused panel. So I think that one would be really cool to go to someday. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I agree. JF? Well, you know, I think that I've heard about this uh, a few times from a few people and I have never gone there. And I think I don't know if Heather has gone there or not, but there is actually a a fan run convention that has the same name as our podcast <laughs> called Shore Leave. Oh, and that's in Maryland. It's in Maryland. And yeah. I, I've gone to. A couple of uh, what they call a New York away team meetups uh, up in New York City. And, you know, it's a bunch of Star Trek fans who get together and they dress up in their uniforms and things and, and just kind of hang out for the evening. And a lot of them have asked me have, if I've ever been to this shore leave convention. Supposedly, it's a lot of fun. So uh, I, I think I would like to experience that one. And mm-hmm. It's actually achievable because it's in Maryland. It's not that far. Yeah, achievable for you. I was going to say maybe oh. one one day Shore Leave needs to go to Shore Leave. That would be pretty um, awesome. Yeah, I was in New York for two years and I have some friends um, that attend Shore Leave annually over STLV and they love it, but I don't know much of anything about it. So mm-hmm. um, maybe that is a trip for the future. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that input because, uh, you know, it's always interesting. As I say, I'll talk to a lot of people who go to, you know, from different cons and who have attended different cons. So I didn't know what the current milieu, you know, was uh, was was like. So yeah. I, and and East Coast doesn't seem and, and of course, again, it's it's it depends on the 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 degree of activity of fans in the area it depends on um, corporate decision making. Can we make money here? A lot of things. East Coast doesn't seem to fare as well with conventions than other parts of the country. You know, would you agree, Jeff? I mean, once you get out of the New York area, yeah, yeah, the New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania area is is getting to the point of oversaturation. I think with conventions, mm-hmm. but once you get out of that tri-state area. It's mm-hmm. much more scant. I, I was just that same thread in our Facebook group that Heather was just mentioning before where we were talking about all the different conventions that we go to or would like to go to. I made a post there about about all of the conventions that I go to. Uh, thankfully, a lot of them are inexpensive, but it's getting to the point where it's just too many. There's uh, a lot of mixed genre stuff here that are kind of sci-fi, horror, comic book, mix-up, mash-up type things. Then there's, you know, the real comic cons, then the you know, Philadelphia and New York. Then there's the fake knockoff comic cons that call themselves comic cons, but they're really not <laughs> comic cons. Like there's one coming up this weekend that's just called the Greater Philadelphia Comic Con, but it's not actually in Philadelphia and actually kind of nowhere near Philadelphia. <laughs> but they wind up getting uh, Trek actors there, like LeVar Burton's going to be there. And yeah. I believe um, I believe Nichelle Nichols is going to be there and a couple of other are going to be around it. But, you know, they've, they've had um, original series cast members the last couple of years. They've had uh, Jonathan Frakes and some other TNG. So they, they get them. But, you know, the Mission New York, of course, happened. And it's just there's mm-hmm. so many conventions around this area. I feel I feel bad, though, that, that they don't spread out a little bit more along the East Coast. I think between uh, New Jersey and and Georgia and Atlanta, I think you got a, quite a dearth of area where they just don't do much. Yeah. Exactly. 
You're exactly. The southeast is really, and Larry and I have talked about this at length, you know, um, because we we both have discussed why, you know, and is it corporate because there are there isn't the population, you know, that mm-hmm. that would be a potential draw, yeah. uh, and and you know, the, and, you, and you really don't see creation even in the southeast. Mm-hmm. I mean, have no. you seen creation Charleston, creation Savannah, creation? You know, that they. Mm-hmm. they they and and obviously they've done their demographics, you know. Um, and they so did. I'm sorry to interrupt you. They did do a Nashville convention, and I can't remember what year that was. And that was the fiftieth or no? I don't know. No, I don't. It wasn't it was. for the fiftieth. It was at least I think it was even like maybe two or three years before. Um, and I think they were just trying to monopolize on the popularity of of STLV um, and I guess maybe like the Cherry Hill or whatnot and just trying to expand because they were in, they didn't they do a creation Boston one? I feel like, or is that too close to the Cherry Hill? No, Boston's a good six hours at least by car. I I feel like they did a, like a creation Boston. I know they did the Nashville one and the Nashville was only one year and it was maybe maybe six to 12 actors those weren't those weren't more recurring ones those are kind of one-offs that they maybe they just tried them yeah that might have been to test the waters you know and since they haven't been back the waters must (laughs) must not have been lucrative yeah i think people are just still drawn like to go down to atlanta or or up to philadelphia in that area um i know I'm from Kentucky and I know there's a small one somewhere in Kentucky because I had friends and family who went to it, but again, nothing, nothing incredibly impressive, but at the same time, even if it's, you know, those three stars, that's still Mm -hmm. a lot of one-on-one time, you know, intimate time with those, those three actors. That's right. It's all a trade-off, isn't it? You either have the, and and each, each has its, you know, charms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they absolutely do. I mean, the first time I met Walter Koenig years ago was at a horror convention of all things uh, <laughs> here in New Jersey. And the, the great thing about it was that nobody was there for Star Trek. They were all there for horror because you had, you know, the stars of, uh, you know, all the big horror franchises and The Walking Dead, of course, that was drawing everybody. So mm-hmm. Walter was in a room with a bunch of other people from 60s TV shows and 70s TV shows, and he was just walk up. You walk right up to him, and mm-hmm. he was personable. Well, I must have talked to him for a good 15 minutes, and that was the first year this podcast, it's almost four years ago now, this was the first year this podcast was going, and I actually gave him a tricorder transmissions button, and he put it on. I have a picture of him wearing it, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it, was, it was a wonderful, sweet interaction, so you know, these conventions may not be big, giant affairs, but, you know, there's something to be said for these smaller ones that have that more intimate feel, because maybe you can get that experience of these older Trek cons. Absolutely. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. You had a a microcosm of what those um, older, smaller cons were like. Absolutely. The quality of of the interaction. Mm -hmm. So I think this brings up a good question because with the smaller conventions, I mean, back in the day, I think, you know, everyone was excited to see the actors Mm -hmm. um, because an actor coming to your town was a big deal. Mm -hmm. And over time, 
Like with STLV, there are so many actors, and that's just one that you go to whether you're going to see the the actors to go to the panels or for Jeff and I to go see our friends. Yep. Um, we uh, This will be my ninth year going to STLV, and the most important thing there these days are people like Jeff and like you who become Star Trek family um, so it's a big family reunion. So I was curious if there was any sense of that, like family or community back in the days of yore when the cons were first starting, or if you've seen that develop over time. Um, most, most definitely. And I agree with your, um, you know, assertion that a lot now a lot of people go not only for the stars and the program, but it's the family reunion. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, this past year, in this coming year, um, in August, you know, I'm going to be seeing, you know, friends from Texas and Iowa and, um, you know, California and, you know, friends I don't get to see, you know, uh, on, uh, on, you know, with any frequency. Um, and, and, and so it is a family, it is, it's a family reunion and there are many different families there. (laughs) (laughs) Interests and, and, and goals and, and purposes, but it's a family nevertheless. Um, I think you did have that um, in, in the smaller conventions, but of course, people weren't from that far away. You know, you didn't have yeah. national kind of family. You had, um, you know, a, a, a regional family. So it was there um, again, just just on a smaller scale. And again, without social media you know, what you were doing was ex- exchanging addresses. You know, you can yeah. only speak to each other or call each other. Yeah. You communicate. And that's one of the stories I won't, you know, I'm sure it will be addressed. I addressed it some in my interview, and I know other people will. Why the Con of Wrath was so interesting because so much went wrong and there was no way to communicate (laughs) you know people didn't didn't have cell phones and they didn't have you know so you know you'd go down the hallway to the elevators and go does anyone know what's going on (laughs) where where do we meet you know i mean it literally was like that so um in the smaller cons you know you would make that family but you really had to work at maintaining it if they weren't in your town because yeah. there wasn't the instantaneous interaction that you can have now. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. Thank goodness. I guess we maybe we take for make take it for granted, Heather, that um, you know, the minute the convention is over, we're able to still stay in touch with every one of those people all day yeah. long if we want to. And that's that's one of the things that's really built our our family so much yeah. over the past even four years just for me. It's just being right. able to talk to all of you constantly. Like you're, we're actually all a part of our, our each other's lives now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it, I mean that that has been a pos- very much a positive uh, change because you really couldn't even talk on the phone. Fu- you know, there was an unlimited calling. Yeah. You know, long distance. Yeah, you it was long distance, and you paid through the wazoo yeah. for it, and so you couldn't call these people every night or every weekend, or you know, even that was a special event. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and kind of combining this with, um, the Nimoy collection type of thing. This was before eBay this was before <laughs> when I started all of this. And so I would write the studios. I would write, I would get a movie magazine and they would sometimes list agents in the back and mm-hmm. I would write the agent. I would write, um, the network. I would write, um, 
that's how you got stuff. I would write the newspapers. You wouldn't believe the stuff newspapers would send me. The photo of that picture of Leonard Nimoy in the Boston Globe because mm. they didn't want it. And back then, I mean, after they've used it, you know, yeah. They, yeah. Um, they, uh, they were like, uh, whatever. It wasn't so, you know, now, of course, with copyrights and this, you know, it wasn't so yeah. Back then, and so I would wait weeks by my little mailbox, thinking maybe something will come today from one of these letters. I, and of course, and I'll try to um, put a lid on my resentment here. Now people can click, yeah, yep. <laughs> have a photo, yeah. and they can click and have a million photos. And I'm like, I waited three weeks for that, <laughs> <laughs> and you know they just posted it on Twitter after a click, you know. So, <laughs> You know, that's a real change, you know, that um, it's made us old timer collector types, um, you know, virtually obsolete, not on some level, but on a lot of levels because everything's so accessible now. And back then you waited for that photo, you treasured it. Of course, you got some things, originals you couldn't get now, but then again, it's a click away now. And so that kind of takes away from um, some of the, the work up at, um, that I'll never, I'll never get that time back. <laughs> but it was time well spent. Yeah. I will counter that by saying that so many of the things you've been able to give to the, to the Nimoy family, I know how much they must treasure them. And I can only, I mean, I think that is just a great payoff, um, to be able to have given, you know, even to Leonard himself to have shown him things that he had never seen, um, mm-hmm. hope, hopefully that helps set that off <laughs> a little. That Heather, I really do. Um, and and you're right. Just to, to, I mean, there there has been that um, that trade off, and I hope to continue. I keep I'm organizing things more than I used to. Um, you know that the photos went in this box, and the magazines went. I'm now putting things in albums. I'm now getting all the press books together. I'm getting all the publicity materials together. Trying to be more organized. And as I'm finding things, I as I say, I'm I'm sending them to to Adam or Julie or Danny and would be happy to with other family members. And I think some things may get disseminated, you know, through the family. Um, I do remember on one of those Boston Globe photos um, that I had Leonard sign one time, you know, again, he held on to it. And I'm like, oh, crap, he's going to want it. <laughs> you know, I'm just thinking, you know, which I would have given it to him freely. Where did you get this? And, and and he turns it over. Of course, it has stamped Boston Globe, peering this issue, this and this. And I, and he said, you got this from the Globe? And I went, yeah. He said, how did you get it from the Globe? I said, I asked him for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he really enjoyed seeing it. Thankfully, he personalized it, signed it, and gave it back to me, you know. So, you know, just, just really different. But thank you for that, Heather. I do think that's quite um quite true and as i say they've all been incredibly gracious adam even uh flew me to new york for one of the advanced screenings uh for the love of spock so much appreciated you know so that's um the 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 15 year old girl in me is going whoopee you know (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah trust me i got my uh my friend claire and i got to be in the documentary um talking about Spock she's talking I'm just standing there but I will fangirl over that for the rest of my life as well Uh, you should girlfriend (laughs) (laughs) that's great so uh, you know getting back to you had mentioned the con of wrath and I I was gonna pose another question um I, I I hope the answer is not the con of wrath but 
do you have any particular favorite year or convention that you went to that that you would call out as the you know the one that you have the fondest memories of? Yes, I can actually um, um, say that. Although there were naturally there were certain things you take away from each convention that's different or unique. But I would say it's a convention in 2009 that was in Boston that was called the New England Fan Experience. And it was a fan run con. And it had to have, it was like this little nugget because again, by 2009, the larger big, big cons were in full swing. But somehow this kind of went under the radar a little bit. And Leonard was one of the guests. And I think truly he came because he wanted to come back to Boston. You know, he always... Even though he left at 18, I mean, his uh, so much of his heart and soul was still in Boston, you know. And so I think they made him an offer he couldn't refuse, and, and Boston was included. Um, there's a chance that he also wanted to bring, I don't know uh, whether Susan was with him or not, but he, he truly enjoyed bringing Susan to the places where he grew up and the experiences he had to share that with her, you know. So I know he did that, if not on that trip, on some other trips. And as I say, it wasn't a very, very large convention. Um, wasn't on Vegas turn, but it wasn't the local yokel. It was an in-between, but I'd say on the side of being smaller. That being said, um, that was the convention where I was wearing um, one of Danny's shirts um, from Etsy at that time, the Matisse dancers, you know, the, the large, healthy women, you know, and I was wearing it. And I, of course, ran up to the microphone to ask my question, and 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 Leonard and I did a little exchange. Then he kind of narrows his eyes, and and I and I know he's looking at my shirt, and I'm like, yes, I'm wearing this shirt, you know. <laughs> and he said, um, did you get it from the website? And I said, you know, meaning Itsy. And I said, yes, I did. He said, come on up here. So he asked me on stage with him. So, you know, I came up on stage. Once I got on stage, I did this little happy dance, you know. <laughs> which he found quite amusing. And, um, and so he said, well, let me, I want to tell you about the shirt here. So I'm standing there and, uh, of course on some absurd level, I'm going, Oh, he's looking at my chest. This is great. <laughs> of course he's looking at the shirt and, and describes the shirt and what it was about. And, and, you know, the photography thing, you know, around it and all this stuff. And, and of course, as I say, it is an uh, for, for the folks who don't know, it was part of his full body project uh, photography series with very large women. And, and of course, the message was size doesn't matter and shouldn't matter. And um, he recreated the Matisse dancer painting with these large, voluptuous women. So anyway, he describes the, the shirt and then he says, oh, you were going to ask a question. What's your question? And I said, how do I become one of these models? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he just, he cracked up, completely cracked up, and in fact, started to talk, had to stop because he was laughing so hard he couldn't finish his sentence, and then he kind of got back, and he goes, well, you're modeling for us today, (laughs) (laughs) so I struck a pose and everything, and, um, and then, then the little things that you know, he, he would do that other people might not recognize, you know, he took my hand and said, be careful getting off stage. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, things like that. And that was just the start of that convention. There were, there were several um, really sweet interactions. Leonard's parents had written me 
back in the 80s, um, a letter, uh, Max and Dora Nimoy, and they were still in, in Massachusetts at the time. They would not relocated to California as they did later. I kept that letter for years and years and years, and I just had it in my head. You know, voice kept saying, Leonard needs to have this. He needs to have this. He needs to have this. And um, I thought, well, this, this is as good. You know, again, it was a, another one of those conventions where they took more time. He personalized things. And this was 2009, folks, you know, yeah. much later. And and really took it. So, and again, we kind of, not not as well as we became to know each other, but still, you know, he, he would know who I am because he'd seen me in 79 and 80 and, you know, several uh, other times. So I came down the autograph line. Again, he was taking his time and I pushed the envelope towards him. He literally froze, I mean, froze at the table. And he looked up and he said, that's my mother's handwriting. Mm. And I said, yes, it is. He said, this is from my mother. And I said, yes. And he he literally was just almost did not know what to do. Yeah. And, and then I said, I want you to have it. And I mean, it was a moment. Mm. <laughs> I, mean, it was a moment. I can and, tell that just listening to the story. <laughs> And he, you know, leaned over the table and took my hand and said, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I found out later, again, we can save this for the other show. Um, I found out later, he told me later in 2010, I mean, no, later than that, maybe. So a couple of years later, several, when we were at a reception, he said, I've kept that letter on my desk. That letter is still on my desk. So between being on stage and having that moment regarding and, and what the letter said was <clears throat> particularly touching for him. And I, I won't get into that, but those two events at that convention will always make it very special for me. That's a wonderful story. I, now I can't wait to do this other stories episode <laughs> that we're going to do down the road. Oh, that was a tease, Jeff. Yeah, it's how you, you know how to do it. You know, that's um, great. No, that's one of the big. That's one of the big ones. There, there were some other stories, but um, that. And then when I found out later, it was always on. And of course, a part of me was like, "Well, no wonder he remembers my name because it's on that envelope <laughs> on his desk." You know, every day. So, um, so sweet things like that. Yeah. 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 Oh, such a good story. <laughs> I've had warm fuzzies. I'm just like, oh, oh, and well, I appreciate that. And I did make a copy of the letter before I gave it to him. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I did that. I'll say basically, his mother paid him some compliments, oh. and I don't think they were always um, forthcoming. Yeah, you know? I mean, I think it's great love there, but they were not effusive people, you know. Yeah. And she was said some things I think Leonard really needed to hear. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's just remarkable, really. And and I was very touched that they had written me back. You know, I had sent them something, um, some calligraphy or some artwork or something, thinking, you know, I just wanted to do this nice thing for his parents. And um, and she wrote back, as I say, just a love you, thank you letter, two pages. Um which was very sweet. Sounds a lot like 
a granddaughter of Leonard Nimoy that we know who I just said, you know, just reached out nicely and she was so kind to respond. And I think that just speaks volumes of the Nimoy family, um, that they are all so similar, so giving and kind and just all very rare people. And Danny, I will use that forever because Danny was the one that said that her grandfather was a rare person. Mm -hmm. Um, but I cannot help to reiterate that, that Danny herself is so rare and, and everyone in the Nimoy family, really, they're just, I would agree. I would agree. She's, she's, she's lovely. As I said, we had communicated via the store, but, um, when I met, you know, were y'all meeting her for the first time at this last convention too? Yeah. But I think it was the first time she'd had the table at the <laughs> convention for shop LLAP. Um, we'll make that clear. Um, <laughs> and, and of course, when we saw each other, you know, big hug and, um, you know, told her it was good to see her. And I gave her a little gift there that um, made her eyes somewhat misty there too and she's lovely and i got to talk to julie and david um some as well and um uh, as i say yes very cordial very appreciative very um again very um humble um it's great i have to follow that up just by saying that you know you, you never know when you do when you take these small actions like writing someone a letter like you you never know what's going to come of that mm-hmm. and i think that your story is just such an amazing example of just reaching out to leonard's parents and and getting something so so special in response and I just am a big proponent of taking those small little chances and just, you know, throwing it out into the universe and seeing what comes back. Absolutely. And you have to put it out there, throw it out there with the expectation that you won't hear anything back because then it is a sincere, not uh, 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 another way of of expecting something back or... I think you're 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 telling your truth more when you're just putting it out there with no hints or anything at expecting anything in return. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like you, I had followed Shop LLAP since they were on Etsy. And, uh, you know, I I just thought, you know, why why does no one talk about like, why has the shop not been interviewed? Why I've never really seen them featured anywhere and I thought you know why not and the worst that can happen is is Danny could say no um but she did the opposite and now we just love her to death so <laughs> it's just so like you guys too <laughs> what I see on Twitter and everything so yeah that's yeah I think I think it's important and just really good examples of of how doing those things can just turn into to really really beautiful moments and friendships and beyond. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And, um, and here's another friendship right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I look yes. forward to, to meeting you. Well, meeting you face to face in Vegas this year. Yes. Oh, Be prepared for a selfie. Cause we will take a picture together. <laughs> okay. I'll start. I'll start getting myself together now. <laughs> My- might take that long thank you uh, no well thank you thank you bonnie for for being a part of the show and uh, uh our, our only regret is it took so long to get you on so it's been absolutely wonderful and we're we're looking forward to having you back to tell some more of these great stories yes yes we hope that you will come back 
Oh, I would love to. And I appreciate your questions and your interest. Thanks so much. Of course. Absolutely. And- we will plan to get together in uh, four short months and and I'll do our LLAP hand together. All right. Done. Great. <laughs> hey. so, uh, as we're as we're closing up the show here, Bonnie, could you be so kind as to tell the audience out there where they can find you if they're looking for you? Uh, yes, um, I am on Twitter at NC Bonnie one, because believe it or not, NC Bonnie was taken, oh, um, which I, I can't imagine. Um, and I am on Facebook. Um, I'll, I'll be uh, honest. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not addicted to social media. Maybe that's my, you know, my past talking to me. I'm on those two places. Can't always promise a follow back or a, or a response, but, um, obviously, um, and that's two time too. I do have, um, like you guys, a full-time job. Um, this is kind of, um, a a sidebar. So it's nothing elitist about it. It's a matter of what do I have time for and and how, uh, what's the quality of the interaction I can give someone who deserves it, you know? And so, um, but that's where I am. Okay. Heather Barker, where can people find you? Oh, I'm on Twitter, Sketching Venus, and I'm somewhere on Facebook in that group that we moderate. <laughs> oh, the unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas convention Facebook page? Yes, that one, Jeff. Thank you. Oh, wow, I got it right the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So you can find me there as well. And I'm also a J underscore Benj on Twitter. So the show is Shore Leave, and that's at Shore Leave on Twitter. You can also find us on uh, Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash tricorder transmissions and of course our own website at the tricorder transmissions.com and as as we're closing up guys don't forget our itunes review contest is still running and uh, it's running until april 23rd of 2017 so you got a couple more weeks or so here to get your written reviews in and, and please uh, leave a written review and let us know who you are so that we can get you into the drawing for the 20 dollars shop llap gift card and you can pick up some of the things we've been talking about on this show already. So you should know where to find it. And uh, we hope to hear from you, of course, on social media as well. And thanks as always for listening. And we'll talk to you next time on Shore. Hi there. Thanks again for listening. If you're cruising the galaxy looking for even more Trek talk, why not visit our good friends Bill and Dan over at TrekGeeks.com? They've got a great podcast that covers a wide range of Star Trek topics, so you're sure to find something you'll love. And if you're in the mood for some awesome tunes, then you really need to head over to 5 The guys are writing a song for every episode of the original series, and each one is absolutely brilliant. So that's TrekGeeks.com and 5 Check them out today.